0: Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the OC Movement. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning, Movement Church. It's so, so awesome to be with you today. Uh, My wife is normally here with us as well, but today she is preaching at at the church where our pastors are in Oasis uh, in Los Angeles with Pastor Philip and Holly Wagner. She's preaching there, like three services today. She told me to send uh, my love to you, but I'm not going to. So, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. So, no, anyways, she she wished she could be here with y'all as always. And I want to say thanks for letting us be able to do that. We're able to go because both of us can speak, and we have a, a great communications team here as well that we're able to help out other churches, take some breaks, and, and, and get a little b- reprieve in a 52 Sunday sermon. Because every time we get up, you expect us to hit a grand slam. Every time. You don't want a base hit. You don't even want a double. You need it to be a grand slam. That's a lot of pressure. I'd appreciate if you stopped putting that kind of pressure on us. That'd be great. But it's just so great. Thank you for allowing us to do that. And I just love that this church isn't built around a person or a personality, but it's built around the person of Jesus and great people like you. Can I get an amen? Because that was even better than you, amen, right there. It kind of segues into something I'm extremely excited about that's starting in August called the MLA, our Movement Leadership Academy, and part of our hope is to help you discover purpose in whatever season of life you're in, and this is strategically for people, uh, men and women of any age past high school graduation, so whether you're 18, 26, 36, or 66, and you feel a leaning towards or a calling to ministry, we've designed this with you in mind. Uh, It'll be a one night a week, and we're going to do classroom environment. We're going to do a chapel service. This also is going to include a missions trip, a leadership retreat with our entire team, and some credited Bible college courses. And if you're even remotely interested in doing ministry, no matter what age you are, it does not matter. If you're a single mom, we've designed this with you in mind. If you are working for corporate America, you can do this. If you just graduated high school or you're in the middle of college, I'm telling you, this might be the place for you. If you're even remotely interested, text the word MLA to the number on the screen and just show up for the interest meeting on August 9th. We'll give you all the information. You can find out and decide there if this is right for you. But we've really, uh, we're stoked about this and what this is gonna mean for your future and the future of Orange County. And man, I sure would love to partner with you as you unpack or rather see God unpack his call in your life. Amen? Amen? Amen just means I agree. Oh, and the pastor's really good looking. Amen? Amen. Hey, there it is. That's what I like. So we are in week three of a series called Stranger Things, a series on the Holy Spirit. And if you missed either the previous weeks, you've got to go back and get the podcast. I'm excited about today as we unpack the gifts of the Spirit. That's the title of my message. And this is all founded, our our staple foundational scripture is found in Acts chapter 19, which is 25 years. Everyone say 25 years. 25 years after the beginning, the start of the church. So two and a half decades into this, one of the chief apostles or the writers of the New Testament named Paul is traveling through the interior to a city or a place called Ephesus. And in verse 2 of chapter 19, he encounters some followers or disciples. Look at this. It says, there he found some disciples. That's an important phrase. That's referring to someone who is a Christ follower. Not just somebody who he just found, but somebody who has surrendered their life to Jesus. And he asked them, look at this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look at their answer. They said, what you talking about, Willis? (laughs) That's a paraphrase. They said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And my, my greatest fear is that that's still the case today. That there's a lot of people who believe in God and Jesus and are even on their way to heaven, but have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, I believe, is because the Holy Spirit's been given a bad rap. It, maybe it's your, para, your paradigm of what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit is, maybe based loosely on Hollywood, maybe a, a movie with Steve Martin or Chevy Chase or others like that, depending on your generation. And, or maybe you think of someone who wears too much makeup and has really big hair and is on television. And maybe you just have no inside at all. I think along the way, people have begun to reject the Holy Spirit, not because they're rejecting God, but because they're rejecting the packaging. The way they've seen the Holy Spirit presented. And so as a result in this country and abroad, we've seen a pendulum swift, swift shift. you have got this one side over here that I would call an overemphasis of the Holy Spirit, where there's so much that it just gets a little bit weird. I call that overemphasis the banners and barking. It's kind of strange and hence the name stranger things. You would, wouldn't want to bring your friends there cuz like what is has like a circus show in here. But there's also another shift of the pendulum which is actually a little more frightening. That's what I would call an underemphasis of the Holy Spirit. People in churches filled with people who know God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Bible but Don't know who the Holy Spirit is, haven't experienced Him. And I believe there's a radical middle. Not the mundane, boring middle, but a radical middle. That's our aim at the movement church. And and here's my heart in this series. Listen, lean in for a minute. Here's my heart for this whole series. It's not to make you believe what I believe, permission to belong before you believe. But I just want to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. The person, not the it. The person of the Holy Spirit because I believe some of your greatest days are attached to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. Week one we talked about the definition of the Holy Spirit which just means wind and I just encourage you to let God put a little wind in your sails so you're not stuck in the doldrums of life and week two we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and we unpacked the word Pentecost and how God's given us the power to accomplish His plan for your life. And God's plan for your life is too big for you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So do I, and I want to challenge as we dive into week three, would you take some notes today? I've got a lot to preach in 30 minutes, and I preach faster when you're taking notes. So you can text the word notes to the number on the screen, and we're going to dive into this today. And and really to see what God can and wants to do. But before I dive in, would you just let me pray for us today? Not for you, for us, that God would open our hearts and our ears, and and here here it is, our expectation. Oh man, to just raise our expectation of what the possibilities are. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as you're pulling out your phones to take notes? (laughs) Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that you're already here. And now God, we just raise the level of our faith and expectation. We want to see not the mundane, not the ordinary, not the regular, not the yesterday, but God, we want to see the fullness of what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about the gifts of the Spirit. And I want to talk to you about three gifts that I believe believe God has specifically for you and I'm going to run through these pretty quickly, so take notes. I'm telling you, I think it'll be worth it. Number one, the first gift I want to talk to you that God wants for you is eternal life. Write that down, eternal life. Listen, we're headed at life speed towards eternity. There will be a day where you will breathe your last, and you will stand before Jesus. And there is one of two directions that we are going to go. And here's the good news found in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says this, the wages of sin is death. In other words, every sin that you or I commit has a penalty or a price tag on it, and it leads to death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, which means there's a payment and a penalty for our sin, a price that must be paid, but Jesus paid the bill. He paid the ransom for our sin. And this is important, it's a free gift. And it cannot be earned either before, listen to me, nor afterwards, and that's important. Theologically, I believe it's important you know that. That gift cannot be earned either before or After we've surrendered our life to Jesus. In other words, you can't go to church enough, you can't give enough, you can't serve enough to get his gift of salvation or to keep it and a lot of people believe that. But it's free. Why, because if it wasn't free, if there's something you or I can do to earn that gift then we would take credit for it and it would also mean we can lose that gift. But look at what Ephesians chapter two verse eight says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Look at this. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Everybody, that's some good news right there. It's the gift of God. And I point this out because the next gifts I'm going to talk about have to do with you and me doing some work. Why? Because you and I have an assignment on our life. Whether you're here today and you've been following Jesus for a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks, there's an assignment on your life a God assignment, whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years, there's an assignment on your life. Whether or not you believe in God is irrelevant, there's an assignment, God created you with an assignment and a purpose. And I wanna talk to you about that today. The second gift I wanna unpack is the gift of the Holy Spirit, write that down, the Holy Spirit. Look at what Jesus said in Acts chapter one. Now this is Jesus talking after his death and burial and resurrection. And he turns to his disciples and he says, hey, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Look at this. it's is important. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When he says baptized with water, Jesus is saying, that's salvation. So I've already paid for your sin, but I've got another gift for you. Notice they're two separate experiences, and that's important. Today I want to talk to you about what this looks like and means and I want to unpack a term that some of us have heard and may have kind of a a misconception of what it is and that's the term charismatic. So in the first series of this, the first week of the series we unpacked the definition of the word Holy Spirit. In the second week we unpacked the definition of the word Pentecost. Today I want to just unpack the simplicity of the word charismatic. It's a Greek word, which is the language that your New Testament, your Bible was written in, and it's not someone or something crazy. It simply means two words, and this is the third gift I wanna talk about. That's spiritual gifts. Charismatic literally translates to spiritual gifts. It's what I wanna speak about for the duration of our time together. And here's what you need to know. God has spiritual gifts for every single person in this room. Another translation says divine enablement. Divine enablement. Look at what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, and I could add sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now the word ignorant here doesn't mean stupid. It just means that they didn't know. Why? Because there was a pendulum swift even in that shift, even in that day and age. And I think there's a lot of confusion that surrounds spiritual giftings. And honestly, if I may, may add, I believe there's some incorrect theology I want to actually address that. I don't usually address theology from a church service perspective, but today I'm going to because I think it has contributed to the pendulum shift, and as a result, there are many Christians walking on around this planet today not experiencing the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people, in fact, entire denominations, believe that spiritual gifts and miracles died with the last of the apostles. So the original apostles that were following Jesus that started the early church, the very beginning of the church, a lot of people believe that when they died, spiritual gifts and miracles and signs and wonders ceased. It's referred to as secessionism. Which means that if even one miracle has happened since then, they haven't ceased. And you know how I know miracles are still taking place? Because Megan said yes when I asked her to marry me. (laughs) Can I get an amen? I mean, look at this. There's not a lot to behold, but she's like, baby, I need all of that. (laughs) Listen, the Bible refers to Jesus as the great physician, one who still heals. And I got to give you just a little bit of insight. He didn't hang a sign up on the wall and say, We're closed for business. I'm no longer doing miracles because the apostles have died. God still does miracles today, they have not seceded. And again, I think that so many freaked out and the pendulum has shifted because of one gift. Not because of all of the gifts, but because of one gift and the packaging. People don't have a problem with the gift of faith and mercy and healing. They have a problem with the gift of tongues. Yeah, did y'all just feel awkward right there? And we're gonna talk about it. Not this week, next week, so come on back. (laughs) That's my teaser. I would love the gift of mercy and faith. Man, if I could have the gift of healing and walk into a hospital and pray for the sick and they get out, that would be freaking awesome. But the packaging surrounding one gift has led to controversy and the pendulum shift and people, entire denominations have taught people to avoid the gifts of God. And I just gotta encourage you with something right here, right now. All eyes look up here. Nobody moving around. If God has it for us, and we don't want to avoid it. If he's put it in the word, we don't get to choose to believe the things that we feel comfortable about. And you need to know, this is the truth. You can get mad at me if you want to, but I didn't write your Bible. So you can email him at God at the OC Movement a little later and talk to him about it if you want to. But here's what I can tell you right now. That email doesn't work, just so you know. (laughs) If God has it for you, you don't want to avoid it. If he has it for you, you don't want to avoid it. Don't allow the packaging of the way that God wants to do things deter you from experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. Here's the problem is that on this side of the pendulum swing, they've put too much focus in on one or two of these gifts, and here's the truth that God wants all of these gifts at work in our lives on a regular basis. Look at what 1 Corinthians, do y'all feel the tension in the room? Listen to me. Do you know why that is? Because the enemy wants to do everything he can in his power to keep us from experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He does. And that's why we put a series like this into rotation. In other words, we we hit this every year and a half to two years. Because we're not going to dissuade or water down or pull pages out of the proverbial book Based upon what makes us feel good, we're going to teach the truth of God's word. And the Bible says that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says. A spiritual gift is given to, what's that word say? Each. Each of us. Now, just a show of hands real quickly. If you're in here and you're an each, would you raise your hand for a moment? Some of you did not raise your hand. i got to let you know, you isn't each. We all each is in here. Does that make sense? That means every single one of us is included in this scripture. But look at what it says. Can you put that scripture back up? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can be a little bit strange and crazy. No, no, it doesn't say that at all. It just says so that we can help each other. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And the enemy is doing everything he can to keep you and me from experiencing this in our life. And he's been doing it since the beginning of time. He's been doing it for millennia. So here's what I wanna tell you a few things that spiritual gifts are not. I'm gonna just kinda unpack a few things that spiritual gifts are not. I want you to write these down. Number one, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. So some of you think, man, I'm just naturally awesome, and yes you are, but these are not natural talents. Spiritual gifts take place when you are born spiritually. When you say yes to who Jesus is, then something begins to shift on the inside. Let me tell you another thing. Spiritual gifts are not fruits of the Spirit. The Bible talks about in Galatians 5 that there are qualities or characteristics that should be at work or evident, not just in words that we speak, but in our lifestyle if we've said yes to Jesus. There are nine qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the fruits of the Spirit should be at work in all of us, but not all of the gifts. God's given specific, unique gifts to each of us. Let me tell you another thing that spiritual gifts are not. They are not signs of spiritual maturity, and that should be some good news for some people. You see, sadly, we, we've elevated one gift over another. And last week, we talked about how when I am filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. I just, I'm not good enough to be who God's called me to be. I need him at work in my life. The fourth thing that spiritual gifts are not worth writing down is they're not given to the elite few. They're given to all Christians. All that has said yes Jesus, I wanna give you a a quick historical lesson for a moment. You see, in the Old Testament, there were only a few people who had these gifts and they were referred to as priests. But in the New Testament, in Acts chapter two, the Bible says, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on his people and something shifted in that moment. Everybody listen for a moment. It was no longer special gifts reserved for the clergy and the priests and the spiritual elite, but it was for everything. And in that day, in that moment, it actually freaked out the followers of Christ because it was actually given to all people and not just Jews. He was saying, hey, this is for you. The problem is after the passing of the apostles, when the apostles died off, the church drifted. Do you like that? They drifted. It's like a little motion I've got here. After the dying of the apostles, the church drifted back and then we started reintroducing terms for the spiritually elite that are not found in your Bible. That term was clergy and it means one who reads. And the church said, hey, the clergy, the men of God, the pastor will be responsible, the professional minister and the gifts of God will operate through them. And as a result, the church, the people, sat on the sidelines and they gave them a term too called laymen. because they just laying around, just kind of doing nothing. I'm kidding. <laughs> Until the 1500s, when a moment took place that's referred to as the Protestant Reformation. And it was based on one discovery of one biblical truth, which is called the priesthood of all believers. You see, what happened is followers of Jesus who were in the church but not clergy actually began to read their Bibles. (laughs) Until that point, it was reserved for clergy. And they actually began to read their Bibles and they realized that this can happen in and through me too. But the problem is, we're centuries removed from that moment, and we've gone right back to the pendulum swing. Two classes of Christians, the spiritually elite, people treat me this way all the time. I'd be out on the golf course, playing with a buddy, and a twosome that's there, playing with us. I don't know those guys, and we get about five to six holes in, and quite a few swear words, if I may say, from them. And <laughs> about the fifth or sixth hole, they'll look at me and go, so what do you do for a living? And I have to decide what direction I want. Do I want to lie or tell you the truth right now? Because <laughs> it changes everything. Every plane ride I'm on. So what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. And they just kind of fold their laptop up and look away from me. <laughs> Change their beverage order. Everything. <laughs> Clouds are rolling. We're playing golf. Hey, can you handle that? Talk to the big man for that? I can't tell you how often. Even on Sundays here, some of you walk up and kind of nudge me on the shoulders. Hey, I know you got a good connection with the big guy. Can you throw up a prayer for me? I got a job interview This coming up this week. As if I'm more connected to God than, than you are. Wow. Look at me. You, you have the same connection to the same God. It's not reserved for a spiritual elite. The movement church is not built on the man of God. <laughs> you laugh. There are entire j- denominations. Yeah. They're not built, it's not built on me or Megan, it's, it's us. I'm just a part of the dream team. This just happens to be the role that I play. Are you tracking with me? They're not for the spiritual elite. And hey, listen, lastly, number five, the spiritual gifts are not something to fear. They're not something to fear. The gifts from God are not odd and creepy, even though some people are odd and creepy. Can I get an amen? How many of you, and I'm gonna just be honest, don't lie, how many of you in this room, you've got that family member who's just a little bit odd and creepy. Raise your hand if your hand isn't up. You, the odd and creepy one, throwing it out there. You, you is it because everybody's got y'all tracking with me. Just because sometimes people lean this way in the pendulum experience doesn't mean that God does. I'm just telling you, he, He's got gifts for you and for me, and, and you want that in your life. They're inside you. God's planted and placed that inside of you. And that's why I exist as a pastor. I want you to discover them. The fullness of what God has. So here's a couple things that that I wanna share with you. But number one, let me give you the definition of what I think spiritual gifts are. I want you to write this down. It'll be on the screen for you today too. A spiritual gift is a special, and I love that word, supernatural. In other words, this is something that you and I cannot do on our own. And frankly, if I'm honest, that's how I feel right now. I'm not a great preacher. I don't know as much about the Bible as other pastors do. But man, when I stand up here, right here in this moment, I feel God doing something in and through me. It's a supernatural ability. I know you're thinking, but Pastor Kerry, you're so charming and good looking. That has nothing to do with preaching. (laughs) This is a supernatural ability, look at this, that God gives to each of us that, I love this, together, together. We're all connected in this. If you're a follower of Christ, the Bible refers to it as a body of Christ, and, and if you discover that you're the hand, then you can accomplish a lot as long as you're attached to the arm, which has gotta be attached to the shoulder. So the supernatural things inside of us that God gives to each of us so that together, look at this, We can advance, whose purpose? His His purpose. Look at me, he's got something for you to accomplish. He's got something for you to accomplish. Today I just wanna take a moment and honor the dream team. The army of men and women who served tirelessly on a rotation, maybe directing cars in the parking lot, setting up this room and the speakers and the screen and the lights, Maybe over in the kid's wing and, and making sure that kids check in work so that your children are safe. And man, that, that's just people that are discovering their purpose and saying, man, I want to do whatever I can to create an atmosphere so that you could come in here and experience the fullness of what God has. This is a bedrock message of the New Testament. and Listen, this is a bedrock message of the movement church. That's why we do a welcome to church party. In fact, we're about to beef it up. On August 19th, we're going to go every week with two different options that are going to be absolutely amazing because we want to give as many people the opportunity to discover God's purpose for their life because we actually believe that right now in this moment, you can live your best life and discover your purpose and walk in it. It's why we exist. And I just, I, I hate to know that there are people who are living life, but not to the fullest. I want three things for you. In fact, I want you to write these down. And, and on the header, if you're writing or taking notes, to just write three things PC wants for me. I'm, I'm PC, Pastor Kerry. That's just what I've. Y'all are like, who's PC? I don't understand these things. Three things. I don't know why I spoke like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it was a bad one, too. It was a bad, like, anyways, we'll move on. Three things that I want for you. Write these things down. Number one, here's what I want. Number one, I want you to discover the gifts that God has for you to discover the gifts that God has for you. The key word is discover. Discover. It's a culmination of your skills and God's supernatural power at work in your life. Look at what Romans 12, 6 says. Romans 12, 6 says this. We have different gifts according to the, what's that word? Grace Grace given us. That's another way you can say it. Another word definition for charismatic is a grace gift. In other words, something that you need the grace of God at work in your life to walk in it. Right now, across the courtyard in Movement Kids Little and Middle and Big are people who are watching your children. No crying babies in here. Distraction free. Why? Because they just love your kids and want to see God do the fullness in their life and they have kids too? And they had a crazy week because we're approaching the end of summer and our kids are going crazy. They don't just love your kids more, they just have a grace on their life. Are you tracking with me? I've seen some of your kids. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) Or am I? Hey, I couldn't work in kids' ministry unless you gave me like three chairs and some duct tape. Can I get an amen? It's (laughs) don't move. I'm reading the King James Version of the Bible to you for 45 minutes. Are you tracking with me? It's a grace gift. It's a grace gift, 50% of our worship team was at summer camp Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with six different worship journeys, screaming their heads off, cheering for teams for things that don't matter at all to life and just loving every moment of it, waking up until 1 a.m. and getting up at the butt crack of dawn, yes, I did say that, only to do it again and they paid their way to get there. Yeah! They can't even talk today. David couldn't sing the full song because he doesn't have a voice. (laughs) Is that because he's that awesome? Well, yeah, but also because it's a grace gift. You ever been on a missions trip before? Anyone? You go on a missions trip and you go to like the, I went to Haiti one time. And I don't know if you've ever been to Haiti, but Haiti makes Mexico look like Beverly Hills. I'm just gonna throw that out right now. And I went to go preach in this cinder block room and it was about the same size as the floor of this with no windows, no doors, just heat at 140 degrees. And in Haiti, I had to wear a three-piece suit. Ho, <laughs> drenched in sweat. And their services aren't an hour and 15 minutes. It was four hours long. Yeah. <laughs> you, four hours. You guys wouldn't even stay. I'm okay. You wouldn't stay for two hours. You'd be like sneaking out the back door. You get around missionaries. and like, wasn't that awesome? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but God moved. Yeah, but I can't even breathe anymore. <laughs> Are you tracking with me? And they come alive. They sold their homes here and traded every amenity that we love and moved their families. And my friend who was in Haiti for 28 years lost his oldest son while he was there. And he says, oh, but by the grace of God, we're still here. Thousands upon thousands have said yes. I could never do that in a million years, but he can, why? Because he's awesome, no, because of the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in his life. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. Every single one of you has a specific, unique, divine calling on your life just like that. It may not be Haiti. It may be something here in this moment, in this time, but you can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Well, how do I find that out? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We have Next Steps courses starting on August 19th. It's why we exist. Yeah. Look at what Psalms 139 says. This is God's heart for you. Verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being, the very thing that makes me come alive on the inside. You created that God. And you knit it together, and you formed and fashioned it in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I love this next portion of the scripture. Your works are wonderful and I know this full well. I know this full well. I want you to walk in the fullness of your purpose. Another way that we say it is God's design in me reveals God's design for me. Number one, discover your gifts. Number two, develop your gifts. Develop them. Why? Because as as you grow in your faith, gifts change and mature just like we do. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. In other words, run after it. Go, God, what do you have for me? I want the fullness of what it is that you want in and through me. I want God to wake up the dream inside of you. That you don't just marginally get by, but you recognize he's working on your behalf. Paul, one of the chief authors of the New Testament, was writing to his younger brother in the faith, and we read this in 2 Timothy chapter one, and he said to Timothy, hey, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, and that's what I feel is my purpose, say come on, fan into flame the gift of God. Don't just exist, don't just breathe air, don't just work the job you have and just have a family, be who God's created you to be, but you gotta let the Holy Spirit unlock that on the inside. That leads to my last point. Discover the gift that God's given you. Develop the gift that God's given you. And then do something. Come on, do something. The church is is already full of people who know more about God but are doing nothing with it. In other words, use the gift that God has given you. When I turned 18, I was like, you know, I got to do things that men do. I'm 18 now. I was from Texas, and that's not how I sounded, but it sounds good right now. I'm going to go camping, sleep on the dirt. You like that voice? That's better than the Kermit the Frog, I think. I was like, I need to go hunting. If you're a a part of PETA, forgive me. The Bible says you're supposed to forgive me, so just uh, hang on. Listen to the end of the story. I need to go hunting. Deer hunting. Get some venison. We're in Texas. is what we do. By the way, if you've never had venison in Chile, you haven't lived, but we'll move on. I'm 18, and I don't own a gun. I don't own a rifle. I don't own anything. tell my wife, I'm, my wife, she, we were dating at that time. I, I need to go hunting, and I need a rifle. And she's like, why do you need to go hunting? I'm, like, I'm a man. It's what we do. <laughs> I turn 18, and she invites me over to her parents' house, and I walk in and she hands me this present and there was a savage 270 rifle with the scope already mounted. I was like, yeah, that's why I'm gonna marry you, woman. And that's not how I sounded either. She's not here, I can get away with that. (laughs) I mean, it was awesome. Woodstock scope is ready. I'm ready to hunt. Well, now I'm 38. It's quite a few years has passed. And I've literally, never hunted with that rifle at all. (laughs) I've shot it a total of nine times at a range. It is sitting dustily in a case under my mattress. (laughs) 20 years! But I needed that rifle. You know what my fear is? A lot of us in this room are sitting with the gifts of God that have been deposited in you and they're sitting unused. I'm talking to you who's a Christ follower right now. And I wanna encourage you to fan into flame that gift in you, but do something with it. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, that is your life mission, to discover him. But if you're here and you've said yes to who Jesus is, I can sum up your assignment on this planet into just a few words. Do something with the gift God has given you. Why? Because there's far too many people in your city, in your neighborhood, in your county who need to know the saving knowledge of who Jesus is so they can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Look at what Peter says in verse four, chapter 4, verse 10. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Look at this. So manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Can I just be honest with you for a moment? My whole life, my whole life I've struggled with this core kind of phrase or thought and that, that thought, that phrase is just that I'm not good enough. My whole life, as long as I can remember, I was raised in a great home. My mom and dad loved us. They loved each other. They raised us in the church. My whole life, I just thought, man, I'm just not quite good enough. And if I had a moment or a season where I felt like that was good, it still wasn't good enough. Every Sunday when I stand backstage right before the lights are going to fade on and I'm going to walk out to the pulpit, ruminating in the back of my mind, steeping like the coffee or tea or the, the thoughts and the, Chapters of my life that I regret more than you could ever imagine. It's like a playbook of the things that I hope no one ever sees. Stories I never want my kids to know about. Now, I think I, I'm not qualified to stand at this stage and to preach. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about what God wants to do. I'm not strong enough to lead a church. Every time I walk to the pulpit, I pray the same prayer. God, you gotta meet me there because I don't have enough in me. But all of that said, I can stand here boldly before you today and say, I was made for this. This is what I was made to do to encourage and to inspire and to fan and to flame the gift that God has deposited in you. And as a church, that's why we exist. We want every single person who walks through the doors to know God and then to find freedom in groups with people and just to walk through life, then to begin to discover why God has created me so that we can make a difference. And my hope and my prayer is that one day, You'll be able to say, I was made for this. Whatever it is, this is why I'm alive. This is what God's created me to do. I don't have enough strength and power on my own. I need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I was made for this. I was made for this. I want that for you so badly. And I believe wholeheartedly it's connected to what God's doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here, I just want to pray for us today. If you're here and you say, you know what, I I want to walk in the fullness of the purpose God has given me. Would you just raise your hand? It doesn't matter who you are. Okay, awesome. I want to pray for us today. Can we do that? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're in this place. Lord, we need you. God, we don't just need you. We want you to be evident and at work to give us strength for the future, to give us strength for right now, God, as we're beginning to discover and develop our gifts, I pray you'd give us the boldness to do something with it, to realize that perfection is not our goal, that we don't have to have everything figured out, but just to walk step by step in faith, believing that you are with us and that you are for us. Like Isaiah says, that we'll hear a voice from behind us, whether we say right or the left, that you say, this is the way, walk in it. So God, I pray for every individual that's walked in the room today, that's experiencing the fullness of who you are are, that we would walk in the divine purpose with the gifts of God at work in our life, that we would not lean to the right or to the left, but keep our eyes fixed upon who you are. God, we don't want to live a marginalized, normal life. We want to experience the fullness of who you are so that we can truly say We were made for this. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, I wanna talk to some of us in this room who, who have the next step of beginning. All of us, listen, all of us in this room have a step ahead of us in our spiritual journey. None of us have arrived. And for some of you, it's the first step of just saying yes to who Jesus is. Hey, I'm not talking about church membership. And listen, here's the best news. You don't have to erase your past. I'm just talking about beginning. It looks a little like this. It's, you know, I've been driving the car of my own life, but it's not getting me where I want to go or more importantly, where I'm called to go. So today I'm gonna surrender and give Jesus permission to drive the car of my life. And this is a personal thing between you and God. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat, but in a moment I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make that decision right where you're seated. If you're here and you've never started that journey, that's why you made it to the Movement Church today. And look at me in the eyes. For some of us in this room, we've been running from God. And today, it's the day to come running back. To pray the same prayer again for the first time in a long time. I would just ask that every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around, I would just ask you respect me in that. and No one getting out of their seats. But if you're here and you need to begin, that's the step for you. i got to start this journey with Jesus. Or maybe you're here. It's time to pray this prayer again. I want to just give you the words to speak. In the quietness of your own heart or maybe a small whisper, would you just, with the utmost sincerity, just say these words after me. Say, dear God, I know you're real, that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I wanna live for that purpose, but I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And just make this statement your very own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today,